It's a little after 1 o'clock. This is the lowdown on Sports 1440. Alan Mitchell, Declan Kruger, and our friend Steve Lansky, live on the radio and in the studio. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Now, are you are you shopping the mall while you're here, or are you just in and out? If there's a store, I'm shopping it. I think we can understand that. Yes. So we were here at 930 before several of the stores opened, but when they opened, they said, hey, Steve, come on in. Right. And then we'll do a little shopping after, probably, and then back tomorrow. So, yeah, it's nonstop shopping. Well, and, and are you at a point in your life where you don't worry about the prices? <laughs> Honey, turn down your radio. Uh, yes, I'm maybe at that point. Yeah. Yes. Because at some point it does happen where you're like, okay, you know what? Whatever. I don't care. I want this. I don't buy myself a lot. That's the way I look at it. I shouldn't be in I shouldn't be inviting that type of discussion, but yes, no. it is it is something that happens. Yeah. I th- but I think that's part of the you know, part of the process of life a little bit. Probably. When you reach a certain age, you just don't give a bleep anymore. Yeah. That's right. Now, for those who are tuning in and have tuned in for a long time, you've had uh, some major changes in your life. You've moved from east to west. You've been back and forth like ping pong over your life, and you're back in the west. And I know you were looking forward to it. I know you really were, and you obviously have dear friends out here. How has it been since moving west? Uh, could not possibly be any better. Right. It, it just It just couldn't. We moved out because of family, really. Uh, and, you know, I'd been, I was born in Toronto. We'd been there 35 years. Um, but I was, I was ready for a change, and we just love Alberta so much. It's oh. just so beautiful. I just, I don't know, there's just something in my core that just loves Alberta. And I oh, grew up awesome. here. I was here from 13 to 25, something like that. And uh, so it's, it's right in my core whether I want it to be or not. Yeah. Now, was Toronto ready to move on from you? Oh, like maybe 14, 15 months after I got there? Yeah. So it was a long... It, it, was, it took forever to cut that cord, but they cut it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's the one great thing about media. If you don't have a sense of humor, you'll never get anywhere. Uh, so let's talk about... Let's start with the Edmonton Oilers. And it's a different year that Jeff Jackson, a uh, very famous agent, has become the CEO. And it looks like he's GMing a little bit here, which I think is, is generally encouraging. What are your thoughts on the orders this year? Do you do you feel like it's same old, same old, or do you think there's maybe uh, uh, some tweaks that it can or may make a difference for this team? I don't think it's same old, same old. Um, I just worry. I, I I mean, worry's not the right word, but I think about. You know, they've kind of got their hat hung on three players, right? Nurse, Drysaddle, and McDavid, and I'm just not. I how do I say this nicely? I'm just not sure they're they're of the mindset to be the right three. I just and maybe you never know that. You know, maybe you never know Steve Eiserman was the right captain until he wins the Stanley Cup. Right. Maybe you never know Steven Stamkos was the right captain until he wins multiple Stanley Cups. You know, but that that's the thing that bothers me the most is when I I watch them in the playoffs cuz the regular season literally is nothing but a run up to the playoffs. I just watch them and I how can you play that way on on this game that means so much? And I struggle with that with certain players. Other players I never saw that from in my whole life. I never saw Wayne Gretzky do that. I never saw Mark Messier do that. I, I never saw a bunch of players in the history of the NHL do that. I never saw an Islander player ever do that. 
but I see it in these guys, and it's it worries me. It scares me. There's a lot of talk about structure where, where you know, instead of man-to-man, you want to play zone or vice versa. And, and I keep coming down to execution. It doesn't really matter. You can play whatever you want to play, but there were there were uh, defensive miscues in the postseason that cost them in a big way, and and some of them were were avoidable. And you would expect more of a veteran. Is that is that something you worry about? Yes, but it's more in terms of as an individual. And I mean, I, I don't know how many sports you've played. I've played enough sports to know that it really is all in your mindset and how you focus and how you, it's going to sound strange, how you structure your mental activities. I can't think of any other way to say it. Are you staying on point the entire 60 minutes of that game? Or does your mind wander? Well, I see wandering. You don't win when you wander, physically or mentally. It just doesn't happen. If you don't figure that out, and everybody, you know, it's like that stupid line from City Slickers, what's the one thing? He holds up, Jack Palance holds up one finger. Yeah. It's up to you to figure it out. Yeah. Only Darnell Nurse can figure out Darnell Nurse. Only Leon Dreisaitl can figure out Leon Dreisaitl. I just don't see a mass figuring out that champions do. I can't say it any more simply than that. No, that's that's well put. And, and now... I can tell you how many sports I played, but is is curling a sport and is crokinole a sport? Because that will impact the final answer. Yes and no is the answer. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> I remember a dear friend of mine once on the radio said curling wasn't a sport, and it melted the phone lines. Uh, yeah, no, no, it's it. Of course, curling's a sport. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't yell at me. I didn't say it. I, 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 anybody who's ever, if you've ever curled, the yep. first time you curl, the next day getting out of bed is, is a chore. You've, you've got muscles that you didn't know you had have been exercised and they're sore. Here's how you know it's a sport. If you slip and conk your head, you're yeah. in trouble. That yeah. makes it a sport. Yeah. You're yeah. right. You're yeah. right. Um, what do you think about about the hiring of Jeff Jackson and the fact that Ken Holland doesn't have a contract? Are we seeing the end of a legendary general manager, or do they just bump him upstairs to the, you know, executive vice president in charge of whatever? So I'm trying to decide if I'm going to address this part where you said Ken Holland is a legendary general manager. Well, I mean... I think he's a successful general manager. Hall of Fame general manager. I think manager. Sam Pollock was a legendary general manager. Um, Glenn Sather was. Glenn Sather was. I think Bill Torrey was. I'm not sure Ken Holland slips into that file folder for me. But mm-hmm. I think if you have a designed structure that has many voices, not too many, but many educated voices, but a a wall where it stops because you... There are no statues, and I mean none, to committees. Committee, Yeah, committee equals failure. So you have to have somebody making the ultimate decision. I'm in favor of multiple voices, but somebody making that decision. Glenn Glenn was great. Bill Torrey was great. But they had multiple voices chiming in. Sure. All the time. It's just you know where the buck stops, and that's what's necessary. I was part of many focus groups in the 80s. You're telling me that no statues. I would look many hours I spent, Steve, in those in those rooms. No? Oh, right. committees are, if you, I'll know I'm in hell. 
if there's nothing on TV and I'm part of a committee. Oh, my God. Kill me. The worst one I had was, uh, and this was in the 80s, we spent a weekend uh, coming up with the mission statement for a radio station. Yeah. I don't even like to think about that. (laughs) Let alone think what it was like. Yeah, you you spend three hours arguing about we or they. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, now I'm sweating time. from places I didn't even know I had. Exactly right. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you about a conversation I had, and this is going to be we have two segments with Steve, so this will end this segment and we'll start the next one with it. So I had a conversation with a, a gentleman. Won't tell you who. Doesn't matter who, but somebody in media, not in Edmonton. Somebody I would know. You know of them for sure. Is he bigger than a red box? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Carry on. Um, and he said to me, you know, um, Lansky is your most prickly guest. And I said, I know that. And he said, you know, there are media members who listen to him, but don't always like what he said. And I said, that's why I have him on. And he said, you know, he's the guy who has Edmonton media figured out. And I said, I know. That's why I have him on. So people are listening, and the audience loves you. But are do you feel do you feel as though because I know you're influential? Do you feel that? Do you get any feedback on that, or are you isolated and don't? Is your question? Do I feel like I'm influential? Yes. No. Okay. Not not right. not at all. But I can tell you that I wouldn't say I'm prickly. But I would just say I don't really care what comes out. I just want it to be my truth. Right. Not the truth, because there's opinions. Right. I just want it to be my truth. And after 45 years in the business, I'm going to have some truth. Will you agree with it? No. In fact, it's probably better if you don't agree with it. Yeah. Because if if you and I are agreeing the whole time, Al, we're, yeah. I, I'm not sure we're making any progress here. So in the, in the Winnie the Pooh characters, are you Tigger? Are you Rue? What what are you? Ooh, uh, that's a good question. I I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't think there's an answer, Steve. So I made a list of things you might talk to me about today. I got to be honest with you. Winnie the Pooh didn't come up. All right. didn't pop up on the list. So next up is uh, we haven't seen the the product roll out here, but but we're in an era in Canada where and and it's too bad because following Hockey Night in Canada was is really like following Frank Sinatra or following the Stones. Whatever you were going to do, it was not going to be at a level where it would be appreciated and beloved. Uh, certainly, I loved Hockey Night in Canada. It was part of the fabric of, of our family and really the nation from the 60s on. But at some point in time, you know, they let go of the rope. And we are here. So how bad is it? And is it getting better or worse? So first off, following Hockey Night in Canada was not a lose-lose. Because you have something now, they have something now that we did not have in the 60s. I mean, God, they barely had videotape in the 60s, two-inch. They have so many. It's like we had three playing cards in the deck, and now they have 50. It's not even close. You, If you sat in the truck, Al, if we went and sat in the truck, you would say, I guarantee it. I had no idea they had this many things at their disposal. But the problem is, you gotta know how to use them. You gotta know how to use them right. It's like a cook. I can give you all the ingredients and the pots and the pans and the stove. If you don't know what the hell you're doing, 
we are not going to be able to eat dinner tonight. That's the problem. They don't know how to cook it. Right. They, I, they just don't know how to cook it. Are they worried about being in, in any way controversial? Is that the problem? We're talking about Sportsnet now? Well, any network, but, you know, ESPN, whomever. No, they're beyond worried about being controversial. That was 30 years ago. They worried about it. Right. I'd sit in meetings with Nick Kiprios and he, oh, I don't know if I can say that. I don't know if I can say that. Now they don't do it. They just don't say it. It doesn't even but come up in the, the meeting. that's the problem. That's what I want to hear, of Steve. Of course it's the problem. Of course it's the problem. But they can't see their weak, you know, they don't want to be prickly. God forbid we're no. prickly. You know, God forbid I say something and then I walk in the room and I get a sideways look from, you know, Connor McDavid. I've got to not give a cuss about what Connor McDavid thinks of me. Right. But they can't have that. Oh, no. It's it's all got to be polished and shiny. Steve Lansky joining us, and he's here for another segment. So, uh, but I want to end this segment with this question about media: Is it salvageable? Is it, because I listen, I watch the American channels, and I watch, like the Seattle broadcasts are brilliant. They do a really good job, and they break it down, and they are critical, but they're critical in a way where they show you what went wrong. And so, it's it's not a personal thing, although the videotape is personal. They 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 describe what the scene is. And I, I think that if, if Allison L were brought to Canada, she'd be a star. She's a star anyway, but I think that her stuff is so good. So why aren't we doing that? Great question. Seattle, unique market. Right. We have to assume. So if I go in and start producing Kraken games from the start, our focus group meeting is let's assume not many people in Seattle know about hockey. Right. You have to make that assumption. Once you make that assumption, you're going to present a show that's different than Hockey Night in Canada. I did a show back in the 90s. I'll go quick so we can end the segment called Accurate World of Golf. Our biggest decision before we started was, are we going to pander to people who don't know golf? Or are we going to assume you know what a cut and a fade and a draw and a pull and a yank and the yips are? We made the assumption you knew what all those things were. So we started that show seven rungs up the up the ladder. Seattle didn't have to do that. Right. Hockey Night in Canada needs to start several rungs up the ladder because Canadians understand hockey. They do. And they also understand what's horse bleep TV. That's the problem. But it's not going to change under this. It's not going to change until the contract goes somewhere else. It's just not. And I think that, that, that I mean, Gary followed the money, but at some point in time, there has to be a combination of money and quality. Fair? I'm still staggering at Gary followed the money. I'm so shocked by that comment. <laughs> I don't know if I can get by. I don't know if I can get past it. No, Gary's always going to follow the money. Yep. That's the problem. Sportsnet had everything there. They had all the pieces in place. They just spilled the friggin' puzzle all over the floor and couldn't pick it up. But, but I think they bought more than they could chew. Like they had, it cost so much to do it. Then they had to cut because. Money's money. Did you meet any of the executives? No. Oh, I, you I, bet they bought more than they could choose. Yeah, they well, they all ended the, up in Europe. They bought more than they could even put on their plate. Yeah. Like, they, are, they were so outmatched from the get-go. That's what I'm talking about. If the wrong people are in the kitchen cooking, yeah. you're dead. Yeah. You can cook all day. You're dead. Well, I'm unbelievably, I'm hungry. <laughs> all right. I will bar with Lansky next on Sports 1440. It's the lowdown. On Sports 1440, Alan Mitchell, 
Declan Kruger, and our friend Steve Lansky is joining us. And we've we've found your your doppelganger in Winnie the Pooh. You are Rabbit, Steve. I'm not buying that. But oh, okay. tell us what you th- tell us you, your thumbnail sketch of you. Uh, I just I I don't think I'm a fatalist. I th- just think I'm a practical person who says what he sees. Uh, who the hell knows? Maybe that is Rabbit. Okay, when. W- w- it, Rabbit is described by Wikipedia this way. Okay. Fictional character in the book series cartoons Winnie the Pooh. Friend of Winnie the Pooh regards himself as practical and tends to take the lead, though not always with the results he intends. What's wrong about that description fitting you? I always get the results I intend. <laughs> and just can you change Wikipedia there? Just put an unbelievably full of himself. Well, just, can you just tap that in there? Well, I think, you know, I mean. That's a given? <laughs> <laughs> I think Declan is the the humble one in the group here, Steve. <laughs> so we're you and I are are you know we're we're neck and neck. <laughs> uh, so um, back to what we were talking about in terms of media, because I think that the, the people that's what they people they really want to hear from you is is what your thoughts are on media. So let's take it from the hockey um, sphere. And let's put it into all forms of media. Okay. And I want to do it this way. The, the orders hired a brilliant uh, analytics guy uh, yesterday. I think it was yesterday. And sports of all levels, they, they, they include analytics and they include interesting or maybe not interesting things. I remember when baseball started giving out the game-winning RBI. This is Eddie Murray has 26 game-winning RBI, except that that's like a, that's almost like, well, he's up and there's a guy on third and if he gets a hit, he's going to get a, it's not, it's not clutch. It's, it's arbitrary. Circumstance, arbitrary, yeah. right? Yeah. So they got rid of that. It wasn't as big a deal as maybe they thought. And I wonder for when you're watching, would you, is, should there be more or less numbers? And I know baseball lends itself to that, but are you overwhelmed with numbers now? That's a great question because I started as a stats guy with the Oilers when I was 17. So it's hard to overwhelm me with numbers. And I will throw in that for the, oh, bear with me, 1980-81 Oilers Media Guide, starting that year, Glenn Sather came to me and said, I need you to keep track of certain things. And I had looked at, here's a throwback for you. Remember the Billings Bighorns in the Mm -hmm. Western League? Yeah. Don Knockbauer. Pat Conacher, probably. I think Andy Moog. Yes, yeah. Andy Moog, correct. Yeah. Dave King was the head coach. Right. Oh, my God. Again, things I didn't think we were going to talk I met him about. in Red Deer at the Red Deer Lodge. Who, oh, Dave the, King or Andy yeah, Moog? Yeah, Dave King. I met Andy Moog over at the old station. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking at a Billings Bighorns media guide from the late 70s, and they had things like insurance goals, proximity goals, um, wow. that type of thing. And I had shown that to Glenn, and he said, can you track that for me this year? And I, re- I remember the result was he was shocked at how many goals Glenn Anderson had that fit into that category. They were always important goals. It was never the eighth goal in an 8-3 game. Right. It was an insurance goal. It was a go-ahead goal. It was a proximity goal, which brought your team within one. So I think it's a gray area about stats because I really think that a pure sports fan understands the value of numbers but understands you don't win the game with numbers. That, that's the best way I can put it. So are we going to get fixated on how many double plays Vladdy Guerrero grounds into? Well, maybe we are right. because that's a pretty big stat when he comes up 
with the guys on first and third yesterday or whatever it was, and he forces a guy at second base. I'm like, really? Again? I don't understand why you'd pinch hit him there, but that's just me. Those, to me, are common numbers. I wouldn't go far down the hole right. with numbers if it was me. But if I was Sportsnet, I'd be saying, if you want more numbers on this game, we're going to drive you here. Oh. And then you can sit and scroll through, like to your heart's content, and we're driving it. We got the sponsors, our names on it. Oh. But as a producer in the truck, I wouldn't want much to do with it. That's just me. Most heartbreaking double play, 1981, I believe, game five against the Dodgers. Uh, Reigns is on third. Uh, Rodney Scott's on first. Andre Dawson, double play. They score a run. They didn't win the game. They needed to get a base hit there. Not that I'm heartbroken and not that I remember it, Steve, but it was there. I got to be honest with you. I'd be disappointed if something Expos hadn't come up, come up today. <laughs> I'm very, I can literally go to bed now and just sleep right through. That's what I wanted for you. Yeah, I That's how that. much I believe in People you. People don't think about me like that, and I appreciate that you would. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, let's talk baseball a little bit anyway. I, I uh, had Tyler Yermchuk on last hour. I said, are you worried about the Jays? He said, not at all. Are you worried about the Jays making the playoffs? Um, I'm not worried. I think it's glorious that we get to watch the next whatever it is, 10 days, 11 days, 12 days, and enjoy exactly what sports should be. Teams beating each other's brains out at the very end to try and get something that, quite frankly, 30 years ago didn't mean a big deal. You were fodder when you got through 30 years ago. Now you are not. You get in the postseason, you are right there. Yep. So get in. I, Honest to God, I think you can put them in a hat and pull one out and go, yeah, I'd buy them winning the World Series. I'd buy them winning the World Series. Well, you're right, because some pitching, some good pitching teams are going to be wildcard teams. That's the thing. Yep. So I, I just don't think it matters anymore which team you are. I don't love that if the Jays end up with Tampa, let's say, or even Minnesota, even though they're a better team, they'd have to play them all on the road. I don't love that, but I understand the value in it for Major League Baseball. Um, but I'm not, I'm not worried at all. I'm just going to embrace these next 12 days, like maybe better than any 12 days I've embraced this year. Yeah. Um, I want you to talk a little bit, if you would, because one of the things I love about you, along with all the analysis that you give, you love amateur sports, you love junior hockey, you love going to games and being a part of it. So now you left, I'm going to say on planet Earth, the easiest place to find a hockey game at any one of the 24 hours that exist on a clock is the Toronto area. You can find something to watch by going to an arena, having a cocoa, and you can watch something on. So now you're in the West. Are you getting enough hockey, and what levels are you watching? Well, I've already been to three Alberta Junior League games. What day is this? Friday? Mm -hmm. Yeah, three in the last week. Um, it's funny, though, what you say about Toronto. Those games do exist. But Junior A hockey, and even Major Junior in Toronto, just does not have the cachet that it has out west. And I remember that from when I grew up here. And, you know, they would give Tabor Golden Sun scores or yeah. the past Red Devils. And I'm like, where are these places? <laughs> what is this? The Drumheller Falcons. Where is Drumheller? I used to think it was so exotic and sexy and cool. And it is. It is, but <laughs> Toronto doesn't have that cachet. You can go and watch the Toronto Junior Canadians at Chesswood Arena, which I did many times with my son, and it just doesn't have the same feel. Be probably because there's too many teams. There's so many That's teams. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, the Ontario Provincial Junior League, 
I don't know, is there like 64 teams? I'd have to look it up. And that doesn't even include Northern Ontario. That's like crazy. Like the Sioux, uh, I can't remember, the Sioux Thunderbirds, they're in a completely different league, the Northern Ontario Junior A League. Like, it's just overwhelming. Yeah. So it just doesn't have the same cachet. Beginning in the the early 80s and then right through until they built the new arena. When I go down to Medicine Hat in the wintertime for Christmas or whatever, I could never get in to watch the Tigers because it was always you sold out. You couldn't get a ticket. And and every once in a while, my father-in-law would say, I got, I got a couple from, from Graham James and I'm going to go. And uh, do you want to come? And I'd get to go watch the – and they were, it was great hockey, but the buildings are packed. And you're right, the dub and, and other junior leagues. I mean, I know the, the AJHL does really well in places that you like you're mentioning, like Brooks and places like that, Camrose. And uh, they have a big, you know, uh, following and, and uh, support. It's tough in bigger cities. Like, I'll go to a Canal- Calgary Canucks game this Sunday, and there, there won't, there'll be 200 people there. Like, that's yeah. it, unfortunately. But that's the way it should be. Like, with the Tigers and the, you know, Lethbridge Hurricanes and, whoever, and those smaller towns. I used to go to Mississauga Steelheads games, and they're in the O, and uh, there's nobody there. I'm not kidding, 400 people in Hershey Center, now Paramount Center in, yeah. uh, in Mississauga. Yeah. So that's, that's a tough sell because there's so much to do in that big city. Yeah. There's the Raptors, the Leafs, the Jays. Jeez, why would I go to a junior game? Yeah. Well, you got to love the sport. Yeah. Um, so we've been doing this for a while. You and I, where you come in, you know, and, and during the pandemic, it kind of didn't happen. And then there were all kinds of rules about bringing people in. And now, now, you <laughs> Especially know, every- prickly people. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I didn't say it was a bad thing. <laughs> no, we're letting people in, but not him. Yeah. I listen. I got that email by mistake. I, oh, I got to tell you now. Yeah. You know, I, and I feel so badly, although I did send it to you. Um <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but one of the things that we talk about every time is your your beautiful wife and her her love of preparing great foods and her award-winning foods that she prepares. So I know you brought me it looks like a small army of canned items. I did. And this was very hard to do when I had to fly out here and visit you. Right. But now that I can drive we were leaving whatever day we left. Feels like decades ago, but I think it was last week. And my wife said, what are you doing? And I said, I got to bring some stuff for low tide. So here's what we've got today. We've got strawberry lavender jam. Nice. Which the lavender really comes through nicely. I remember the last time I had that. Red plum and orange jelly. Nice. Also delicious. I love it. Now here's one. Uh, well, I'm sure we're making a day tape, so you'll have to listen back. Chocolate ruby raspberry jam. It's not quite a set. See, I'm showing you. I'm showing mm-hmm. you how I see. it's yeah. not set. But what you do is you get that vanilla ice cream. Yes, yes. And then you heat this. <laughs> he's making notes. <laughs> and then you, you heat this up a little. Yeah, yeah. And then you pour it on the ice cream. Giddy and up. And you eat it. And <laughs> giddy up is right. Oh, Then my. we've got the ever-popular Christmas plum conserve, which is just delicious. Cause I, now, I can have it before Christmas. You can have it in the next five minutes if you want. <laughs> now, these are the two big ones. Grandma's Garden Chutney, which won a blue ribbon. So it's worth noting that these ribbons are won at the Royal Agricultural Winter Fair, the biggest, the biggest food competition in Canada. So my wife's been entering since 2015. This is the first year she did not enter since 2015. Now, was this heartbreaking? Did you, did you, did you have to like, 
take her out for ice cream to, to no she no okay. she entered last year she shipped everything FedEx from Calgary but she said you know I'm going to take a break mm-hmm. and we were basically away the whole summer well right. if you if you need to make dill pickles you only have a two week window to get number two pickles oh. uh, number two is the middle size then there's number one things you didn't know you're going to find out today. Um, so she just said, I'm going to take a break. So this is grandma's garden chutney, which is absolutely stunningly delicious. It got a blue ribbon. And then finally, another blue ribbon, the second best savory relish in Canada in 2022. It looks awesome. Oh, because it is market pear relish. So there you go, buddy. There are six jars all for you. I love you, but I love your wife more. (laughs) So please tell her thank you very much. So so do I. I love her more than me, but just barely. (laughs) Somebody told me, and I do not remember who, the other day, and this, I'm going to give you this because it's great relationship advice. Um, So, and I got to get it right. So a man can love his wife more than she loves him. A man and a woman can love each other equally. And both of those work. But if a woman loves a man more than he loves her, it won't work. I'm going to say that's 100% correct. That's Isn't that 100%, interesting? Yeah, that's yeah. 100% correct. Mostly because the guy they love more is a schlub. That would be my <laughs> take on it. This guy, you don't want, trust me, if you're listening now, you don't want to love that guy more than he loves you. Right. Because you're not doing it right and neither is he. <laughs> He's got nothing to say. Well, I do. I just want to stop watch. I want to go back and use a different word than prickly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Is it a worse word? No. Well, Uh I think it's more, you know, apropos or or (laughs) spot on, but we'll see. Steve, I, I love talking to you all the time, but in studio, it's always even more special. So thanks. I know you've got a million things to do. I suspect you've been to the Lego store all day. Um, <laughs> but thanks for coming in. I appreciate it. It was my pleasure. It's great oh. to see you. All right. And on the way, it's time for declinations. What What is it going to be today? What are you doing? We have the top five athletes or players synonymous with one play or moment. Okay. And maybe what we'll do is have Lansky hang around and criticize what you've done. I would love that. I don't okay. think he'll be able to. I think it's that good of a list but uh, i like the well you know what we're going to do that on the way on the way next this is lowdown with low tide on sports 1440 it's 139 aha friday sports 1440 in the lowdown alan mitchell declan kruger steve lansky joining us and it's time for declinations top five and you, I know you put a lot of work in this. Uh, I did. I did my research. I, I checked the record books. I watched the tape. And I think I came up with a pretty good list here. I'm happy well, with it. Steve's here, and I'm not going to let him pick it well, apart. Steve, well, okay. Th- th- nice try. <laughs> <laughs> he has ears, and he good will luck. hear. And now, can you hear these? Are you able to hear the, the, the clips? I am not. Somebody's going to have to tell me. We don't have any audio clips today. This one's coming all off the top. Oh. I only had the audio clips because they were so synonymous with the... So that's my word of the day also, as it turns out, uh, because they were synonymous with the calls. These ones are just coming all off the top. It's going to be all me. Okay. So, go. All right. But really quickly, really quickly, I want to circle back to a text we got earlier. It was about college football. I love college football. Could talk about it all day. Do you mind if I go 
30 seconds on this one? Well, I'm just sitting here uh, uh, You're twiddling your drinking thumbs over coffee, there. so All right. uh, yeah, go. We got a text that said, hey, uh, I was wondering if Declan can give us his updated top four in college football. Mine is one Georgia, two Texas, three Michigan, four UFC. UFC, I have the same four teams. I just have Michigan and Texas flip. Texas by far has the best win uh, of any teams mentioned. Their win over Alabama, but I do think the win is going to age poorly as the season goes on. Alabama is going to end up losing one, maybe even two SEC West games this year. Michigan, I know they were in tough against Bowling Green for a little bit. J.J. McCarthy didn't have the best game, but Texas was tied 10-10 with Wyoming in the fourth quarter before they blew that game right open. And Georgia was even underwhelming, down 14-3 at home to South Carolina at half. So no team has separated themselves from the pack, but I do have those four teams. I have Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Texas 3, USC 4. Now, Notre Dame, are they going to play in a big bowl, or will it be the... They're playing in Notre Dame against Ohio State this Saturday. Uh, and that whoever wins that game is going to be the number two team in the country as far as I'm concerned. Okay. And right. they Notre Dame's going to have the edge at quarterback. Sam Hartman is going to be the best quarterback on that field. But I have to think Ryan Day is going to scheme up something for Kyle McCord in that offense. It's going to be a great game. Looking forward to it. All right. All right. Without further ado, declinations. Top five players or athletes synonymous with one moment or play. Number five, I have Malcolm Butler's goal line interception in Super Bowl 49. Big play. He he had a decent career. It, it wasn't a historic career or anything. I think he was second team All Pro one season. Uh, but when you think of Malcolm Butler, you think of that goal line interception. That was the one that separated him from the pack. Uh, one Tom Brady his fourth Super Bowl, a, a play that never should have been called by Pete Carroll. Just that throw it. from the the one yard line with Marsha with prime Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. Uh, Malcolm Butler jumps in on Tyler Lockett, and he's going to be known for that play forever. So that's my number five. I, I would just say that that. The, sometimes the coach outsmarts himself or has an ego so big that he wants to make it about him, and that bit him in the ass. Big time. Number four, I have Patrick Stefan, his empty net blender. That uh, that game against the Oilers, obviously it's well known here. Just lollygagging up to the empty net, misses it, trips over his skates. Alex Hemsky takes it down, scores with two seconds left. Now Dallas did win the game. It was, it was overtime or a shootout. Dallas did end up winning the game, but Patrick Stefan was not re-signed by Dallas uh, after that year. Never played in the NHL again, and we all know he was a number one overall pick, uh, one of did, the all-time draft busts, and he's going to forever be linked to that moment. Did did Hemsky, did he score or did he pass it to Stoll? I don't remember. I'm pretty sure Al- Alex okay. scored the goal. He took it right. ice to, He took it end-to-end. No. Yeah, Hemsky scored. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it was... Uh, I rem- What I remember most about that was Ray Ferraro's brilliant rip of Stefan. Like he just tore a actually new one. My only argument would be a casual fan might not have been able to tell you it, would Pat, it was Patrick Stefan. Mm-hmm. So fair. I don't know if uh, semi synonymous, maybe. Okay. I hear what you're saying, but my counterpoint would <laughs> See, be this is, this is what you're up against. No, okay, what's I, counterpoint? I wasn't <laughs> expecting this at all. My counterpoint would be that if someone said the name Patrick Stefan to you, you would think of that play. I would not. I would think first overall. Okay. Interesting. Fair enough. Over that. Yeah. Oh, Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Number three. We got to have him in the focus groups of the show. Yeah, we do. This is good. <laughs> no, no, I don't do those. I'm rabbit. <laughs> Number three. David Tyree's helmet catch in Super Bowl Forty Two. Amazing play. David Tyree. That was his last catch ever in the NFL. And going into that game, he only had four catches for thirty-five yards on the season. What else can I say? I mean, he he didn't do anything ever during any regular season games. He never had another NFL catch, but he's always going to be linked to that moment. It, it was in, a, in in its own way, it was like the immaculate reception where you just you you had to see it again, and then you know, could I see it one more time? He it shouldn't was. have even been on the field. Like it was a borderline a coaching error that he was in the game at that point. 
Amazing. So, yeah. so far, these three moments also involve the bizarre, yes. right? They're not just commonplace, everyday plays that somebody happens to be involved with. Got right. it. Okay. I would, I would, I would maybe argue Malcolm Butler's. And I guess it was a bizarre play call, but the was, play in itself wasn't bizarre. It was an it was a standard play. interception. It was but the fact that you're play. throwing from the what, yeah, the one the, and a half, just run it up in the with Super a great Bowl. Like, back. what are you doing with a timeout lift? The, yeah, what are you what? doing? That's, that's the that's the bizarre defining part. Defining moment for Carroll. It's all about Carroll. He did win a Super Bowl. He did. Doesn't yeah, matter. Okay, it's still the year before that. I just want to make sure the year before that they were about to go back to back before that. Number two, James Buster Douglas knocks out Mike Tyson, February 1990 in Tokyo. I mean, James Buster Douglas was, I think, I probably should have written the record down. I think he was 34-1 and one coming into that fight, had fought for a title once and lost. It was a tune-up fight for Tyson. Tyson was set to fight Holyfield that summer. Didn't happen. Buster Douglas ended up going on to fight Holyfield, made a record purse of $24.7 million at the time. Uh, he got knocked out in three rounds and didn't fight for six years. Nothing else happened in his career. Never defended the belt. Never won another world title. But 42 to 1 long shot, he'll always be known for that. If you, How much did Douglas win in that fight? Uh, so for the Tyson fight, I read he he made one point three million, and then for the follow up fight with Evander for Holyfield, he made twenty four point seven. No, see, I wouldn't fight again after that twenty four million payday. There's, there's no need. Well, no. he took six no. years off, then he eventually did come back. Well, he, he was he was wrong to come back. Just ease on down the road. I have a story about that fight. Can I throw it in? Sure. So I'm working at CBC Network Sports when that fight happens. It did not air live in Canada. CBC was going to air it the next week. And I remember hearing or reading that Douglas had won, and I, th- I have to see this immediately. Yes. And I, I guess because I'm in production, I vividly remember just the announcer saying, Tyson, nailed. Those are the two words that no. just stick in my head. So you're absolutely right on that moment. Yeah. I, I assume I'm going to know what number one is. but Well, he, you never know with our friend. Okay, so, fair enough. You know. Do you guys have any predictions for the, for the first well, overall I, pick I, in my I, declination? I think I've got it surrounded a little better now. You're talking about, about almost like one-hit wonders as opposed to, like I was thinking, you know, the most famous like goal would be Sidney Crosby's golden goal or See, Paul and that's, Henderson. Right. Maybe we're not going that way. I touched on that. I wanted to avoid that. Like when you think of Sidney Crosby, you might think of the golden goal, but I don't think he's necessarily synonymous with that because he has, you know, he has the two hearts, the three Stanleys. He had a phenomenal career. Jordan, you might think of the shot over Craig Elo, but he's also the best basketball player of all time. So Correct. I wanted to. Correct. Yeah. But when I read the topic, I thought, well, obviously Paul Henderson. Damn, but man. now that you've thrown in the bizarre, there it isn't really no bizarre there except that he scored the game winning goal in the last three games and this came in the last whatever how many seconds right. and I guessed Kevin McClellan's 1-0 goal in the, the pivotal game one against the Islanders in 84 I know it's not that either well I'll tell you, it comes from the sport of baseball if that gives any clarity okay well give oh, us I a know second. what he's going to pick give us a second I know what he's going to pick oh Kirk Gibson that's what he's going to pick yeah yeah Bill Buckner's game six oh. of the 1986 World Series air I felt so bad for him. Behind the bag, it gets through Buckner. And they had Dave Stapleton. I remember his name. The first baseman. A very good fielding first baseman. And was it McNamara, the manager? Dumbass. Didn't put him in. You know, <laughs> stupid, stupid, stupid. Gives up the winning run in game six. They obviously go on to lose game seven. The curse of the Red Sox or the curse of the Bambino lives on. Uh, and then that's that's my pick for the number one play. The number one athlete most synonymous with one play. Bill well, Buckner's there in game six, of the World Series. I, 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 I love baseball, but I didn't love that because Bill, Billy Bucks was a, a great player. 
He uh, actually he had a decent career. Oh, no, no, That's he had thing. a very good yeah. career, and and he's remembered for that play. And I believe he died not that long he ago. Pass away, but he yeah. couldn't walk when he made that play. Like, no, it's he unbelievable. It went between his legs. He should have missed it to his left. Yes, but it went between his legs. Just terrible. And and that I, I blame McNamara if he was the manager, and I believe he was because he was. Stapleton was he a was. hell of a defensive first baseman. What are you doing? What are you doing? Well, it just shows not everybody's qualified for that job. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> I read. That's true. I read that he wanted to leave Buckner in because he was one of the older guys and he wanted him to be on the field when they experienced winning yeah. the World Series. If you're Series. sentimental, watch <laughs> when Harry met Sally. That's no, no place in sports. Death. Exactly. Right. Sentimental you know, equals death. Go read a book, John McNamara, and then get it out of your system and then be a hard ass on the field. <laughs> oh, that made me mad. I was at, uh, I was at the Edmonton Inn um, having drinks and I'm watching it on TV and I, I yelled and screamed and my wife said, settle down. It was the same as Plus usual. the impact of it. How many years had it been since they won the World Series? 74 oh, or something? Some, yeah, was it 1912? Yeah, yeah, 12 whatever. or 14. To the, 70 yeah. or 86, 86 I was. Yeah. yeah, And they lost in 75. Remember, Fisk hit that home run. They go the next day, and then Joe Morgan kills them in game That's seven. okay. They lost to the Big Red Machine. I I'm love happy the with Reds. anybody who lost to the Big Red Machine. <laughs> you know, it's funny because when, when, when the Expos got Tony Perez... In 77, I believe. That's when I really felt the Expos had arrived. Tony Perez from the Big Red Machine, wonderful ball player. And they got him, and it was like, oh, my God. And they got Dave Cash in the same year. There was no weak link on that team. Nope. Not a single one. Maybe the pitching, but holy cow. Well, even the pitching, because they you know, they, they, they had Don Gullett, who would get injured all the time. But they, they had Billingham. They had decent pitching. Fred Norman. But their bullpen was excellent. Pedro Bourbon and Raleigh Eastwick and all those guys. And all they needed was decent pitching. Oh, well, and <laughs> even a guy like Concepcion, who was the shortstop, could hit a lot. Like 280, some reasonable power. Yeah. Love that team. Not that we paid any attention to baseball when no, we were young. No, no, not at all. I smile every time somebody says "big red machine." Yeah, they were. And and what I what I do you remember Sparky Anderson? Uh, uh, you know, in Cincinnati was on WKRP, but he was the, he was like a he was kind of a he was not fake humble. He was really humble. But when he was humble, his team seemed to elevate as opposed to go down. And he was unique in that way. Sometimes when a, a manager or coach is humble, it, it, his team will get slaughtered. But with him, he seemed to, he, he liked that underdog role very much. If you're a leader of athletes, you really only have one job, and that's understand the personalities and play them properly. Yep. That's it. And every great coach, every single one ever does that. Well. Uh, from Daniel Nugent Bowman at The Athletic, Jay Woodcroft said Ryan McLeod's status day-to-day. Matthias Ekholm roughly a week away from skating with the team. He also said Belwicky is expected to appear in at least one preseason game. That's from DNB as we get rolling on. Uh, what are you looking for this year? What, what, are the, what are the big stories that you'll be watching for this year, Steve Lansky? NHL stories or sports stories? The NHL or sports, but NHL was what I was thinking. You know what I love? I love the... I'm not going to pick a story because I love the entire encapsulation of an NHL season. Now, I've been very lucky because when I started my job at the age of 17 when I was a stats guy and 21 when I was a producer, that was your life. It wasn't kind of, oh, something I'll do on the weekends or when I have a chance to watch the game. No, it was my life. Mm. And my... My heart warms, like this is weird, but my heart warms when I think about an NHL season. I get excited, but there's also this internal comfort 
that I get. Like, my God, I made it another year, and the greatest time of year is coming again. Oh. I just, I don't know any other way to describe it. I don't have the words. You know, the saddest time of year for me when I was a young person, and I remember it well, I remember the year the Flyers beat Boston, which was 75? Now, which one is it? So, Which well, one is it? Seventy four or seventy five? Well, let me think. No, they won. They beat Boston. Then then they, they beat Buffalo the next year. So it was seventy four. Correct. Okay. Who was a Boston head coach? Go. Was it? Wasn't Cherry? Ah. Bep Gwidlin. Bep Gwidlin. <laughs> who got mad at them and then the left. Oilers, right? yeah, 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 that's right. He got mad at the the Bruins because they wouldn't give him what he wanted, and they ended up <laughs> heading out of town you know, for less money. Um, so the saddest thing for me, and I, I, I remember that one particularly, but I remember every year, when when the season was over, the final game, Hockey Night in Canada would run the full Hockey Night in Canada theme song with everybody who had contributed. Yeah. And I would watch it, and as every note hit, I'd get sadder and sadder because... Then the only thing I had was the hockey news, which came once a month in summer, and that's the only connection I had to the the best game on the planet. Although I love baseball equally, and it it just it, it just as it drifted away, and then it finally went away, and then you had the CBC. You're like, it's over, and I have to you know, I have to go outside with the mosquitoes and the dragonflies and God knows what else goats and and live life instead of watching this fantastic hockey and i always missed it every every year every summer i would pine for the fall and i still do i always feel for people who can't remember and reconjure conjure emotions because as you're telling that i'm watching your face oh. and i'm like i can see it on your face that oh. it was this longing that was gone and summer was eternal when you were a kid right sure like hockey was never coming back because yeah. summer was going to last forever yeah which was great you got to go outside and ride your bike and carry your ball glove and all that stuff yeah. but the thing you really loved was gone for yeah. now and it, when would it be back and you couldn't complain because then you know your dad would say oh, i'll give you something to complain about <laughs> and that's the way it was you know <laughs> you didn't want to say anything out loud because it was always used as a hammer against you and your your <laughs> lollygagging youth i just love people who love sports that way yeah. like there's there's tangential sports fans but when it's right in your core like clearly it is with you and i hope it is with me that's a different kind of a person, and I have so much time for that person because they just, you can see it in their face. They're living it with every word. Now, will you do me a favor? We have to scoot because Jason Greger's on the way. Sure. But uh, you're, you're closer than you've ever been. So let's, instead of doing this once a year, let's maybe do it a couple, three times a year. If you're around at Christmas or whenever, give me a heads up and we'll do this because it's really enjoyable and our audience loves it. And um, so do our, our, our clients. And, and I know that Declan is going to be very well prepared for the next time that he has to do declinations <laughs> with you in the room. I crushed it. I crushed it. I agree. I thought ah, it was a hell of a thank job. You. No, you I, thank you. I agree. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> That's not what he wrote me in the email he sent. But, <laughs> You know, it was a text. I guess I, it was a text. You don't even know the technology, man. Oh no, I don't. You know what I found out last night, and then I'll go. I promise. Um, when I first got the job here, they gave me a little square thing, and I didn't know what it was. And then they were giving them out last night, and it's a, it's a, what is it? It's a Wi-Fi speaker or something like that. It's a, 
What is it, Declan? <laughs> oh, yeah, just a wireless speaker. Yeah, wireless speaker. I, didn't, uh-huh. I, I don't know how to set it up, but now I know what it is. Uh-huh. So I'll get one of the kids to help me. That's I have no step. idea. Knowing the problem is knowing that you have a problem. <laughs> I, you, you've done it, man. You should be listen, so proud. I'm so proud of you. I knew before last night I was the problem, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Steve Lansky. Uh, thanks, Declan. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, this is the Lowdown with Low Tide and Sports 1440, and it's time for an update.